Hello, survivalists. Welcome to another wonderful week on The Crux, where you're joined by your hosts, Casey McIntosh, my sister. Hello. <laughs> and Tessa King, which that's me. <laughs> Hello. You're such a natural. It kills me. Thank you. Thank you. I was born in fame. Anyway, so today we'll be talking about Autumn Veach, who's 16 years old and visiting her grandparents in Montana in the summer of 2015. Her grandparents had planned to fly her back to her home in western Washington in their small aircraft. But later that day, the plane would go down over the northern Cascades. On Saturday, July 11, 2015, Autumn was preparing to return home to Bellingham, Washington from Kalispell, Montana. They had originally planned to drive back to Washington, but last minute Autumn's step-grandfather offered to fly her home instead of driving in the family's aircraft, a Beechcraft A-35. Pretty cool. <laughs> that is pretty cool. And yeah. a lot faster than driving 10 hours to Bellingham-ish. <laughs> The morning had nothing but bad weather. They waited all morning for things to get better. However, when it became apparent that the weather would not improve, they left anyway around 1 o'clock. Leland and Sharon Bowman, Autumn's grandparents, manned the cockpit while Autumn sat in the back. They planned on landing the plane in Linden, Washington, where Autumn's boyfriend would pick her up when they landed. About 90 minutes into the flight, however, the plane was engulfed in fog. Autumn's grandparents kept their cool and they were continuing to navigate through the fog using a tablet. But suddenly their signal cut out and they were flying blind through the fog. That is terrifying. Yeah, horrifying. And then the bottom of the plane began to scrape trees. <gasps> it seemed like things were moving in slow motion. They skidded along, mowing down trees until the propeller tipped nose stuck into the ground Ugh. they skidded along mowing down trees until the propeller tipped into the ground nose down into the ground yeah into the ground okay so they're like suspended by trees yeah so they're coming down like diagonally mm -hmm. hitting trees as they go until they like ground out gotcha but, but the nose of the plane into the ground so they're perpendicular to the earth that's nose, what it sounds nose like. Nose down. Yeah, nose down. I would say probably diagonally. But anyway, Autumn said later about the crash, everything was white, like everything, all the windows. Everything was white, and suddenly it was all trees, and then it was fire. Autumn said that she never lost consciousness, but she can't recall exiting the plane. The plane itself was already on fire when she slipped outside. Meanwhile, both of her grandparents were still alive and trapped inside the plane. Oh, my gosh. That's got to be the worst way to go. Oh, horrible. She knew that they were in there because she could hear them screaming. <gasps> yeah. Autumn tried to pull Leland, her grandfather, out of the plane. He was closest to the door. The other side wasn't really accessible to get to her grandmother. She kept telling him to unbuckle his seatbelt, but he had most likely sustained a concussion from the crash, and he was very disoriented. He couldn't really comprehend to go through with that. And everything's on fire. She's trying to free him, but burns her right hand badly in the effort. She 
ended up with second degree burns from trying to get him out of the plane. And ultimately, the flames drove her back away from the plane. Autumn's face was burned, her hair scorched, and her eyelashes shriveled. Soon the yelling stopped, and Autumn knew it was over. She mentioned later, I'm a small person, and there's only so much I could do. So I watched a few interviews with her, and she kept saying, you know, that there's only so much to do. Her grandfather's a big guy. She couldn't get him out. That's really sad. That's really horrible. Because regardless of whether or not it was possible, she's always going to feel some level of guilt about it, you know? Absolutely. I think it'd be hard to be the only survivor from something like that and maybe feel like the whole reason you're there is because because <laughs> of yourself. That would be um, actually a good episode topic, survivor guilt. Ooh, yeah. Anybody want to hear anything about that? I mean, it sounds like really depressing, but yeah, but I'm sure it's really common after something like this. I was looking it up and I was surprised to see that what normally kills people in a plane crash isn't actually the impact of the crash itself, but because a fire usually will engulf the plane after a crash. So a lot of people are surprised that they survive the impact and don't react quickly enough to To get get out. out of the plane. You would think that there would be some safety measures built into a plane, knowing that that's the number one cause of death after a plane crash, like fire retardant everywhere. Yeah, I actually didn't know that myself. This article I read said that survivors survivors also underestimate how fast a fire consume a whole plane, like 90 seconds. Wow. So you have a minute and a half to get out. crazy. So you don't have time to wait for anybody to come and get you if you're in a plane crash. You need to get out. And another mistake people make is trying to get all their baggage or things off of the plane when they need to just be out of it. So it should be the first thing on your mind if you're ever in a plane crash, Casey. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. You need 90 seconds to get out of the plane. Autumn said later... The smell of burning flesh is really unpleasant, and it was hurting my heart. So I started going downhill. I was, what's the word, just full of adrenaline and not really present. I ended up tumbling over the side of a cliff. It wasn't a really big one, but it was enough for me to fall on my back. At that point, I was like, okay, I need to think for a second. The aircraft had dropped off radar at 3.21 p.m., The last cell signal from the occupants vanished at 3.49, and they had left around 1 o'clock. So you had mentioned that the weather was kind of bad. What was the weather doing at this point, do you know? Well, it was very wet. (laughs) We'll get to that. Autumn had recalled in survival shows that she had watched with her dad a couple key tactics to survival. Her and her dad would watch a lot of shows like Man vs. Wild. So a big thing in Man vs. Wild is to travel downhill and also follow water. Mm -hmm. Yep, we've heard that a few times before. Mm -hmm. This was a good instinct. Autumn thought she heard the faint sound of a freeway, and she followed, but it turned out to be running water. Not a bad thing, though. I mean, it's the second best thing that you could have next to people driving by, I guess. <laughs> yeah, around the freeway. <laughs> that would be very convenient. Yeah, that would be better, but <coughs> hydration is kind of nice. Yes. 
So back to the weather. It was terribly wet. The clouds were spitting. The ground was saturated with water. And Autumn soon found herself soaked. She followed the water for hours. And as she followed, it began to grow wider and deeper. The afternoon turned into evening, and Autumn found herself physically and emotionally exhausted, as you would. The death of her grandparents was weighing heavily on her, but the enormity of the situation was not lost on her either. She knew that her survival at this point was so important. (laughs) That night, she climbed onto a ledge above the river to sleep. She wasn't worried about wild animals, snakes, or bears. Instead, she was thinking just a single thought i'm going to die well also being wet i'm i mean i know that it probably wasn't terribly cold but it just seems like you could get hypothermic so quick especially when you're sleeping and you're not moving very much yeah it's funny that you should mention that because i was just going to mention that hmm. that she was worried that hypothermia would be the culprit she realized that it had been a poor choice to continuously cross the creek as well but there was nothing to be done about it now Her clothes were wet, and she took them off and piled them up. She was wearing a tank top and kind of wrapped herself in the cardigan that she had and just tried to cocoon up to stay warm. Is she kind of in the middle of absolutely nowhere? She's in the Northern Cascades. Okay. I don't really know anything about that. But she's essentially in in the wilderness. Yeah, she's in the woods. (laughs) She's in the middle of nowhere in the wilderness. exactly. She was hard-pressed to get any sleep, especially with the fact that she has second-degree burns. (laughs) The next morning, she puts on her wet clothes and resumes her march. She feels worse than she had the day before. After nearly an hour of walking, she had hardly any hope for continuing, and she said that she lay down against a tree just to die. She stared there for a while, Autumn said in an interview, somehow I got motivation. I was angry. I was like, this isn't fair. How come I have to die right now? I have so many things I want to do. To help herself get through, Autumn started to sing songs to herself and started to tell the story of her trek aloud. She wondered if she was on the news. She wondered what her boyfriend and family were thinking, if they were worried about her. She said, I did pray for being honest here. I felt alone. When you're that alone and probably going to die, you might as well pal up to the big man. (laughs) (laughs) That's a cute way of saying it. Yeah. The next night was worse than the first. She slept along the river where she was bitten repeatedly by sand fleas. Waking the next morning, she hurt. Her muscles were stiff and sore from the exertion and dehydration, and her skin was itchy and chafing from all the insect bites and sand in her clothes. So is the water, or excuse me, is the weather still rainy? Is she still wet? I mean, she put on wet clothes to walk in, so she's probably wet from her clothes, but no other information about the weather. Okay. And this is only day two. Not to downplay her story, Um, but as she's walking along, she finally sees a wooden bridge materialize through the trees, and at first she thinks she's hallucinating, but then as she continued, it became obvious that this was real life. 
mankind. Yeah, this is a really common thread in a lot of our stories too, where they see civilization and they're like, but is it real? Yeah. I mean, I can't blame them, especially when you haven't eaten for a few days and yeah, everything looks the same. Well, and when you go through a surreal experience like this, it's got to be so traumatic and so outside the range of normalcy that when you do come back to like everyday life that's moving on, it's hard to believe that it's real. Uh-huh. So Autumn came up to the bridge. It's next to the a main road. She goes over there and she stood for an hour frantically waving at pass, uh, passing vehicles. What? Yeah. It was Monday, July 13th, which is two full days after the plane had gone missing. Autumn said she knew that she looked like Freddy Krueger, but says she was clearly distressed and still nobody stopped. That's crazy. It is crazy. I mean, come on, people. Especially when you can see it's clearly a young person. Yeah, it's not like a six foot five, 250 pound man. Right. It's a six, it's a teenage girl. And like she said, she was clearly disheveled, you know, you would think that maybe something happened to her. It's crazy. But maybe that's just one of those, what do they call that? The bystander effect where Uh people are like, oh, somebody else will stop. So she was unable to stand there anymore, just waving at cars. So she returned to a parking lot near the bridge where a single car was parked. She noticed while she was waiting that there's a trailhead by this bridge and the trailhead is called easy pass <laughs> maybe maybe or easy. not so easy not so easy 30 minutes later another car pulled into the lot and that's when autumn started crying the people who had pulled in provided gatorade and they drove her back to mazama which assuming that's somewhere in washington <laughs> where she made a call, 911 call Anyway, that call apparently went viral. I don't remember this happening, especially since it's so close to home in a lot of ways. We should plug it in. Hello? Hi, this is Michael with the Okanagan County 911. What is your name? Autumn Beach. Autumn Beach, B-E-E-C-H? V-E-A-T-C-H. Okay, and so tell me exactly what happened. Um, I was riding from Kalispell, Montana to Bellingham, Washington, and about, well, I don't know where, but we crashed, and I was the only one that made it out. Okay. Um, made it out from the collision or, or survived? Yeah, the only one that survived. Okay. Are you injured at all? Uh, yeah, I have a lot of burns on my hands, and I'm, like, kind of covered in bruises and scratches and stuff. Okay. All right, Autumn, how old are you? I'm 16. I'm going to send someone out to come help you there at the Mazama store. Just don't go anywhere, okay? Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. A lot of people would criticize her later because it sounds like she doesn't have any emotion. But Autumn had already gone through so much and had been crying through this whole ordeal. Yeah, she just doesn't have anything left to give at that point, probably. Yeah. And let's not forget that she hasn't had water for two days. (laughs) Yeah. 
I think it's funny when people criticize 911 calls because yeah. unless you're the one making the call, you don't know what you're going, you know, you don't know what that person's going through. I'm sure she was going through a lot of shock. <laughs> Probably. Anyway, so that's Autumn's survival story. And then I saw another article about an update about Autumn two years later in 2017. In 2017, Autumn said, just since the plane crash, it's hard to be associated with the name Autumn Veach because people recognize my name and pry information and it makes me uncomfortable. After the crash, she went back to school and finished her junior year at Bellingham High School. But she said it was difficult when classmates and teachers would catch her off guard and ask questions about the crash. Mm -hmm. And she then dropped out her senior year, which is a bummer. It's too bad that she couldn't go somewhere else where people didn't know the history. Yeah. Or just finish online or something. Something. Maybe she did. This article does not say. Autumn, if you want to contact us. Yeah. Let us know what you're doing. We're very curious. But not in a judgmental way at all. We're not trying to pry. We just... Want to know if you're doing well. (laughs) Autumn said, I'm not really sure how to process this anymore. I'm not sure what kind of closure I should have. My step-grandparents aren't alive anymore. I almost died. It was horrible. There's nothing really good that's come out of it. I don't know how to feel better about it. People actually invite me to go hiking, and I'm like, why would I ever want to do that with you? I don't want to go camping. I don't want to go hiking. I don't want to do any of that crap. (laughs) That's that's a bummer. Yeah. I mean, she, the article makes her sound like she was playful and delivering these lines. Sure. She wasn't like, ugh. I can't believe someone would be so insensitive. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) For the record. I mean, I could, I could definitely see you taking a pause on those kind of activities after Mm -hmm. you went through something like that. But, you know, she wasn't really prepared for those moments out in the woods she didn't have anything to protect herself she didn't have food she didn't have any supplies so yeah Yeah, autumn doesn't go out of her way to give information about the crash but she is willing to share her story and she knows that it gives some people a sense of hope and she did work with an author uh, to write a book about her experience it's called getting out alive the autumn beach story and it's written by Tara Ellis. I actually came across that on Amazon recently. You did? Yeah, I did. That's so interesting. <laughs> I wonder when it was published. Because this article was 2017. Uh-huh. There was also talk about the possibility of a movie. And Autumn talked to a screenwriter about it. That's cool. Autumn stays out of the woods. She hates the smell of burning. It's a trigger for her. And... She doesn't like flying, but she still does anyway because her desire to travel outweighs the fear of what happened to her. And it also said that Autumn is now working with a therapist and is hopeful for the future. She said, I just hope I can find peace with myself and be happy and content and just comfortable with who I am. I haven't quite found that peace yet, but I know I will. Yeah, that's good. At least she's optimistic. I think it ended on a good note. She went through a lot as a 16-year-old. Yeah, I, th- I mean, again, back to the survivor's guilt and, like, that feeling that you should have done more. Right. But and here real- she is mentioning it two years later and maybe even now to an extent. Yeah. I think that you probably always have feelings of regret even if there's nothing that you can do. Sure. But, you know, you did what you could, Autumn. 
yeah I feel for you that's tough but I learned more about plane survival <laughs> that's good <laughs> yeah we talked a little bit about that uh falling from the sky episode oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah the longest free fall from an airplane yeah and there are a lot of things that you can do to prep yourself for the plane crash but it's almost more important after I think just getting out alive getting out alive exactly well thank you guys for joining us this week for another episode of the crux to survival stories crux to survival stories <laughs> <With Casey Anderson. laughs> you're yeah. such a radio dj it kills me yeah i'm great um yeah so we got a couple emails from some people that listen to us i guess um so thanks for listening and thanks for emailing us and if anyone else has anything to say or suggest write us at the crux the crux survival at gmail.com um, check it out drop right. us some letters <laughs> okay survive until next week guys all right have a good one okay bye bye, bye.